Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. Good to be with you this morning. I'm so excited about this week. Um, it's an exciting week. It's an important week um, for us as Christians because our entire faith uh, uh, is on the foundation of what Jesus has done this week. And uh, without that, you know, the Apostle Paul says our faith is in vain. If Jesus had not died, if he had not risen from the grave, then our faith is in vain. And therefore, as Christians, it's a very, very important week for us where we remember uh, what Jesus has done for us. It's a special occasion. It's a special week. And it all starts from today. Because if you know what we, we've termed as Palm Sunday, today is Palm Sunday in case you didn't know. Um, so I don't know whether any of you going past a palm tree uh, had the thought of cutting a palm branch and coming with uh, but, uh, you know, today is Palm Sunday. It, it, it marks a time um, when Jesus made his decision to head to Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, it's, for Jesus, it must have been a very, very um, intense uh, week for him because he knew what he was getting into. When we read the scripture, we see in Luke chapter 18... Verses 31 to 34, this is what Jesus said just as he was preparing himself to head to Jerusalem. He says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them. And they did not know what he was talking about. Here was Jesus. He was preparing himself to go to Jerusalem. And he, he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew what lay ahead. He knew uh, the persecution. He knew the rejection. He knew the denial. He even knew the death and the kind of death that was awaiting him in Jerusalem. And yet he still chose and he still determined in his heart to set his sights on going to Jerusalem. Because you see, what Jesus was doing was far beyond just the cross that he was facing in Jerusalem. If I had to title my message today, it is to the cross and beyond. It's got nothing to do with Toy Story. <laughs> okay. It's not to infinity and beyond. It's to the cross and beyond. Because not only did Jesus look at the cross that was ahead of him, but he looked beyond the cross. He looked beyond the cross to you. He looked beyond the cross to you. He looked beyond the cross to me. He saw beyond the cross that lay ahead of him in Jerusalem. And it was a very, very intense, and it must have been a very painful experience for him to look for, forward to what was going to happen to him. And I don't know about you, if you had uh, any inclination in your heart that something bad was going to happen to you along your journey or a path that you have chosen, if you knew that you were going to face difficult times, if you knew that people were going to reject you, you're going to have heartache and disappointment in life down the road, I think the, the natural thing for us to do is to flee in the opposite direction, like Jonah. 
we would flee into the opposite direction because we don't want to face hardship. We don't want to face torment. We don't want to face persecution. We don't want to face hard times because naturally in our human nature, we want everything to go well for us. But Jesus did not do that. Although he saw what lay ahead for him in Jerusalem, he still chose to head towards Jerusalem. His focus was beyond the cross. His focus was for the entirety of humanity. You see, in God's great plan for humanity, he also does not forget the one. In God's great plan that God's will for Jesus to go to the cross and suffer and die and shed his blood as an appropriation of sin for us, he does not forget even the individual along the way. And we're going to look at this week or this journey that Jesus took to Jerusalem and uh, what happened in that first day or so when Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem. We see along the way he encountered two people. From the time he decided to head to Jerusalem, he encountered two people and, and Pastor Meredith touched on, on two of them last week. Uh, but I just want to go a little deeper and talk about these two people that were on the opposite ends of the spectrum. One was a rich man. He was in a position of authority. He probably lived in a very palatial home. He had all the wealth he could have and that he needed to live a wonderful and a pleasant life without the hassles and the stress of finances and, and how he was going to take care of himself. So this was the one man. And on the other end of the spectrum, we had a beggar, downcast and an outcast of society, and he was blind and he used to spend his day begging on the streets. One was spiritually blind and the other was physically blind. But both were despised by society. Both, even though the one had all the wealth that he could desire and the other had nothing, both were despised by the society in which they lived. You know, let me tell you this. No matter how hard you try, you will never me measure up to the expectations of society on you. Because you are always falling short or you're always having more than someone else. And society will, will, will treat you and read you differently and treat you differently because you don't measure up to what they expect you to measure up to. They have their standard. But you know what? It doesn't matter what society thinks of us or you and I, but what matters most is what God thinks of us. It doesn't matter which spectrum of society you find yourself. You could, have, you could be here as a person of wealth or you could be here right now and you are going through financial struggles you may find yourself in, but God has time for everyone. Even though God has this plan for humanity, his plan has unfolded and he's taking place for humanity and the earth. And even though you see things happening around the world that may, may cause you to be concerned and, and cause you to, 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 to take uh, refuge in, in certain things so that you can find solace, but God has time for everyone. Even though it seems that God may have forgotten, but you are not forgotten. So as we look at these two men, we will see how God intervened in their lives. The one man, his name was Zacchaeus, 
and the other, if we read the gospel accounts, Matthew and Mark, we see that they refer to him as Bartimaeus, or Bartimaeus, depends how you pronounce it. I think I need to get Evans up here to do the pronunciation <laughs> for me. Picture this for a moment. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he enters Jericho, and in Jericho, he encounters these two men. There was a crowd that was following Jesus because he was a teacher. There was an expectation of this crowd that were following him, and he was going through Jerusalem, and here was Zacchaeus. He was a, a, a short man. He was a man short in stature, and excuse the pun, but the community also looked down upon him. Now, they looked down upon him, not because he was short, but because he was a man that was assigned and aligned to the Roman oppressors. Right? He used to collect tax. He was a tax collector. And if anyone here loves tax collectors, well, <laughs> you, probably, uh, you probably are the only one in this room. <laughs> so they knew he was a sinner. He used to cheat them out of their money. He used to swindle them. And here he was hearing that Jesus was passing by, and he wanted to do everything in his capacity to meet this Jesus. To the people, he was a sinner, but to God, he was a precious soul. In spite of what the people thought of Zacchaeus, he wasn't going to lose his opportunity to meet Jesus. And we know the story. He made a plan. He found himself a tree. You see, a person that pursues God will not go unrewarded. Although Jesus was passing through Jericho, this man stopped Jesus in his tracks. He got up onto a tree, and we read the story that we heard last week, that he, Jesus came and he stopped at the tree where Zacchaeus was. How did Jesus know he was there? Because it was an opportune moment for God to meet with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus made a plan. He found a way, even if it was to catch a glimpse of Jesus. You know, in South Africa, we have the, the saying, it's an African saying, a burmaka plan. Afrikaans. <laughs> a burmaka plan, meaning a farmer will make a plan. If something goes wrong, he will make a plan. All right? And uh, Zacchaeus did that. He made a plan. He found no way of seeing Jesus, and the only way he could get a glimpse of Jesus was to climb up onto this tree. You see, God wants us to pursue him, even when it seems that there are so many obstacles in our way, even if the crowd dismisses you, even if the crowd looks down upon you, even if people think you know, negative about you. Don't stop pursuing God. Persevere until Jesus stops and calls your name. You see, Jesus stopped at the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I'm staying at your house. You see, Zacchaeus stopped Jesus from his journey temporarily to Jerusalem because the Bible says Jesus was only passing through Jericho. And when he met Zacchaeus, he actually stayed in Jericho for the night because he wanted to have this interaction with this man that was pursuing him. We see another example in Jericho of a man that stopped Jesus in his tracks. It was the blind man 
that Jesus found as he was leaving Jericho on his way, continuing his journey to uh, Jerusalem. And this blind man, Bartimaeus, uh, he was in this roadway leading up to Jerusalem, and there was a commotion, and there was a big noise because of the crowd that was following him, uh, following Jesus. And he inquired about the crowd, who is this, what's happening? And the crowd told him Jesus was passing by. So he sees the moment, he sees the opportunity of meeting Jesus because he had heard about Jesus and he wanted to have an encounter with this Jesus. In fact, the more the people tried to keep him quiet, the more he shouted. If we read the account, we will see that the crowd tried to push him aside. The crowd tried to keep him quiet. The, the crowd, you know, he was already an outcast in the society because he was a beggar. He was on the streets begging for for whatever he could get. And the crowd was trying to keep him quiet from receiving his encounter and his miracle from Jesus. But this determination that Bartimaeus had stopped Jesus in his tracks. Go and I encourage you, go and read this whole account in the Gospels. And you will, it's fascinating, this interaction between Bartimaeus and Jesus and the crowd and, and how things changed around. Because at one moment... This crowd was trying to silence this blind man and to keep him from receiving his miracle. But when he, when he began to shout all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, we see that Jesus stopped in his tracks and, t and, and, and told the crowd, call him. I want to meet this man. And then the crowd changed their tune. He says, well, cheer up, old chap. I think the Bible does say that, cheer up. <laughs> Cheer up, not old chap, but cheer up. He is calling you. You see, sometimes when, when we're in our pursuit of God, there are things around us, there are obstacles around us, there are even people around us that will speak negative into our lives because they want to keep you where they want you to be. They don't want you to receive the miracle. And sometimes the enemy works in that way because he does not want us to walk into the fullness of what God wants for our lives. And even if he uses people, he will do so to keep us at bay. But the more we shout, the more we cry out, the more we come to God, the more God is able to respond to us because the, those that pursue God will not go unrewarded. And we see this man, Jesus stopped for him and he had an encounter with Jesus. Because an encounter with God will lead to transformation. God's transforming work in our lives expresses itself in a changed attitude, behavior, and action. God's transforming work in our lives expresses itself in a changed attitude, behavior, and actions. Zacchaeus's appropriation of salvation, his acceptance of salvation resulted in a change in his attitude, a change in his action, a change in his behavior, where once he was a sinner, now he experienced and received salvation. Where once he was a swindler, and not Tinder swindler, I know some of you watch that, I've heard comments about that, but a swindler, someone who cons people, someone who cheats people out of something. 
Zacchaeus was a swindler, but when he received Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus. He was transformed into a philanthropist. Where once he had accumulated wealth for himself and he was thinking about himself all this while, when he had an encounter with Jesus, he had a spirit of generosity. Where once he was spiritually blind, now he was able to see the light. Where once he was lost, now he was found and he was saved. If we look at the expression of Zacchaeus and what he did, the Bible goes on and, and talks about what he, what he did as a response to the salvation he had received, the response to the light that he had seen. We see that he says, half of my wealth, oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know if anyone right here can say that. Half of my wealth I'm going to give to the poor. Now that's a big, bold statement to make. And not only that, he says, if I have cheated anyone out of, their, out of their money, I will repay them four times more. So this man had a lot of money. You see, when God brings transformation, these material things don't matter. Because you have a change of perspective and you see yourself in the eyes and in the image of God. This is a statement that Pastor Randy uh, said some time back to us. He says, uh, we, we get so caught up with, uh, you know, having uh, about money. We get so caught up with money. He says, there's, there's not an end to money. If you don't have now, you'll always get later. Right? We get so caught up because we focus on ourselves. We focus on the moment. We focus on where we are right now. We don't see the bigger picture. But here Zacchaeus had experienced a transformation in his life that he was able to make that statement and he was able to carry out that statement where he could give his wealth away because where he had a spirit of selfishness, it was changed into a spirit of generosity. For Zacchaeus, his spiritual blindness was healed. For Bartimaeus, his physical blindness was healed. Bartimaeus not only received his physical healing, the Bible talks about what he did thereafter. He was restored to society because he be, now he became part of the crowd and he became a follower of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. The Bible says he immediately began to follow Jesus. See, God is all about restoring people. This is what the, this whole week is about, about God's restoration of humanity to himself. That is why Jesus set, set his sights to the cross. He wasn't, even though he was going to Jerusalem and he knew what awaited him there, he wasn't too busy for the one. And I think we did a series a couple months ago about the one. Pastor Randy spoke about the one. And I would encourage you to go onto our website and, and check those podcasts and download those uh, podcasts and listen to those messages about the one. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about servant leadership and how we, can, uh, how we can serve. And we are all leaders, but we are called to serve in the kingdom of God, to serve one another, because it's not about ourselves. It's about the next person. It's about bringing out the best in the next person. One of the values that we have here as our leadership values is to be people-centric. That is, people come first. It is our responsibility to make sure that we are investing, that we are imparting, that we are able to, to make you, the next person, 
grow in your relationship with God. What does it mean to be people-centric? Not only do I uh, uh, need to come to a place of recognizing my value, worth, and dignity, but I must also recognize and draw this out in other people as well. That means I need to know my identity in Christ. Jesus has brought a transforming work in my life because of my response to what he has done on the cross. And because of what he has done on the cross, I see myself and you see yourself as a person of value, a person of worth, a person who means something in the kingdom of God, a person who means something in this world that we are living in. And not only must I recognize that, but I must be able to recognize it in other people as well and help the next person bring that out of their lives as well. Unless I embrace my identity in Christ, it will be difficult for me to identify the value, worth, and dignity in others. We need to see people through the lens of God's eyes, not through our eyes because our eyes are tainted. We are, we are sometimes part of society who looks at people through different lenses. But if we look through the lens of God's eyes, we will see people as God would see them. And sometimes it means having tough conversations with people in order to bring out that dignity, in order to bring out that value, in order to bring out the worth and the identity that they have in Christ means that we need to have tough conversations with people so that they can come to the full understanding of who they are in Christ. And Jesus did that often. He often had very tough conversations with people because he wanted to see, uh, he wanted them to see who they were in the kingdom of God. So as Jesus continues this journey, we see he met the individuals, these two individuals. He stopped for these two individuals. But he also encounters two other groups of people along the way. As he gets into Jerusalem, and we're still in this Palm Sunday journey that Jesus is embarking on to Jerusalem. The one group that he meets along the way are the crowds of people that were following him and the news that went ahead of him coming to Jerusalem and the crowds of people that joined in this jubilation and this, this excitement of someone coming into Jerusalem. And the Bible talks about them putting their cloaks on the ground and cutting palm leaves and, and putting it on the ground and they were waving palm leaves as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And the reason why they did that, if we look at history, we see that generally if someone was coming into the city as a victor from battle or someone is coming to bring victory into the city, shout of excitement and joy and victory over the enemies, they would do this. They would sing with excitement and lay down palm branches because it was a sign of victory. And in Luke 19 verses 41 to 44, the scripture says, as he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your, from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you 
and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. What a, what a powerful statement to make. Jesus coming into Jerusalem to bring salvation to humanity, and yet he makes this statement because people did not recognize who Jesus was. See, a distorted view of who Jesus is will disappoint you when you don't get what you want. A distorted view of who Jesus is will disappoint you when you don't get what you want. Look at this crowd. They were excited. They were celebrating, but they were celebrating for the wrong reasons. Although it was a fulfillment of prophecy, but the people themselves were receiving Jesus not as the one that was going to bring salvation for the entire humanity, but they were receiving Jesus because they thought he was the Messiah who was going to bring them freedom from Roman oppression. And if we look into, into history and the time that the Israelites were part of this, uh, of this process where they were under Roman rule, uh, they despised Roman rule because they were persecuted, they were oppressed, there were people under subjugation, there were people who, who did not have the liberties and the freedom that they wanted to do what they want as a nation, and they despised their Roman oppressors. Hence also Zacchaeus, because he was a tax collector for the Roman government. And here when they saw Jesus coming, even his own disciples, they thought that Jesus was coming to bring them freedom from the oppressors that they were under. They were anticipating a restoration of the physical Israel, and therefore they were full of excitement because of what they thought was going to happen. This is the Messiah. This is the one they were waiting for. This is the one that was going to restore the throne of David. And you know what? When they didn't get what they want, when they realized in the course of the week, no, something's wrong. This is not the kind of Messiah we were looking for. This is not, the, that doesn't seem like this is the person that's going to liberate us from Roman oppression. And therefore, a week later, in spite of them saying, Hosanna, glory to the king, a week later, they said, crucify him. Because he disappointed their expectations. He disappointed what they wanted because they saw him differently. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he there? Is he someone there just to rescue you when you need rescue? Bless you when you need blessings? Heal you when you need healing? Is he there like the go-to guy when you have problems? I'll go to Jesus when I have my problems. What happens with our relationship with God when we don't get healed? We've been praying, we've been trusting God for healing, and it doesn't come. What happens to our relationship with God? What happens in the, with our relationship with God when we hit a financial, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, obstacle and, it, and, 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 we, and we lose our finances or we're going through financial difficulty? What happens to our relationship with God? Because the word says, you know, I am a, I'm going to be blessed. You know, am I coming in and am I going out? I'll be blessed. And we, we, we hang on to those things, but those are our expectations, our expectations of who God is. And we, and we downplay our relationship with Jesus. You know, in your, in your if those, those of you who are married, in your marriage, uh, your marriage is not just smooth sailing. Those of you married, okay. But, the, but, you know, there are tough times that you go through in your marriage, in your relationship. But that doesn't mean that you stop your relationship. You work through it. You, 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 you work together through it. Because what matters most is the relationship that you have. The love that you have for one another. You know, the saying, love conquers all. The love that you have for one another. So too with our relationship with God. You know, we may not get everything we want. Because everything we want may not be everything we need. But what matters most is our relationship with God. Who Jesus is to us is more than just someone who is there to, to sort all our problems. Someone who is there to just bless me and bless me and bless me. Because there's something beyond the cross. There's something beyond the cross. It's called eternal life. It's called being in the kingdom of God, being a child of God, being part of what God is doing right now and in the years to come and in eternity as well. Because life happens. Whether we are children of God or not, life happens. You know, we think that as Christians, everything will go smooth, but life happens. We experience bad things, we experience good things, we experience disappointing things in our life. Things happen. But we need to know what our relationship with Jesus means to us. And Jesus said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. As he looked over Jerusalem, as he looked over these people that were shouting Hosanna, they they had a misdirected focus of who Jesus is. And he says, if only you had known what would bring you peace. If only we know what would bring us peace. You see, because my relationship with Jesus goes beyond what I can get. My relationship with Jesus goes beyond what I can get, but in whose company I find myself in. In my relationship with Jesus. And then Jesus gets into Jerusalem. You can read the, the scriptures. He gets into Jerusalem, and, and I encourage you to read all the Gospels relating to this because it gives you a good picture of this entire incident that happens. We see Jesus encounters the next group of people when he comes into the temple and he sees what is happening in the temple. Think about this for a moment. Here was Jesus. We read this in the beginning. He knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. He knew the cross was there. He knew persecution was there. He knew people were out to get him. And what does he do when he enters Jerusalem? The first thing he does, he makes everyone mad. Right? He goes in and he makes everyone mad. Why? He goes and he upsets the 
tables of the money changers and he drives out those that were doing business because they were in a place and doing things that was not aligned to the will of God. You see, aligning to God's will, standards, and expectations was more important than winning approval by people who did not care about God. For Jesus, aligning to God's will, God's standards, and God's expectation was more important than winning approval by people who did not care about God because these religious leaders in the temple did not care about God. They cared about themselves, and therefore they had converted the temple court, the outer court, that was meant for the Gentiles to come in and have an experience and an encounter with the God of Israel. They had converted that and changed that to a place of profit-making, profiteering, maybe racketeering, whatever tearing you can think of. They were doing it there, and they were enriching themselves in the process. And Jesus stood up for what was right and what pleased God. He kept himself focused. He kept himself steady. He kept himself stable in the things of God. You know, this is a very unstable thing. You just, something that's not steady makes you nervous. Yeah. Anything, something that's unsteady, unstable makes you nervous, right? When things you're not clear about, it's not plain to see, it makes you nervous. But Jesus, he was not nervous, right? He was focused. He was focused on the things of God, and therefore he stood up for what is right and what pleased God rather than winning the approval of these religious leaders. You know, he could have been someone who said, well, you know, let me get on the good side of these religious leaders because I don't want to mess them, and I don't want to mess their mindsets. I don't want to upset anything. You know, if I just become cool and collected and just do whatever they need, me to do, I'll be okay. But that wasn't the case. Because what God expected was more important than what man expected. You see, what Jesus did on that day, he interrupted their lifestyle. And God interrupts our lifestyle when it conflicts with kingdom standards, values, and practices. When he came into this temple court, the religious leaders had a lifestyle. This was, the, this was the annual fundraiser, <laughs> right? The annual fundraiser where people were coming with their offerings to the temple and to, and to celebrate the Passover and to celebrate this, this, this event, this festival. And, and the religious leaders used that as an opportunity to enrich themselves. But what Jesus did, he came in and he interrupted their lifestyle. by overthrowing the tables and the, and the money changers and the people that were doing business there, that they were, they were actually fleecing the people. You know, they were fleecing the people out of their wealth, out of their money. It was a corrupt system that Jesus came into, and Jesus came and upset and interrupted that corrupt system because they were holding people in bondage rather than allowing them to experience God. What are the areas in our lifestyle, in our life, that needs interruption? What is the areas in our life that needs interruption? Think about that for a moment as the worship team would come forward. You see, 
there's a lot of things that we do in our life that we think is aligned to God's will, but it's not. And sometimes God has to step in and interrupt. God has to step in and upset. God has to step in and cause, if I can put it this way, a little chaos in your life. And we've probably had a lot of chaoses in our lives. A lot of times, a lot of moments in our lives where we think to ourselves, man, what is, what is happening? What am I doing wrong? Where am I that this chaos is taking place in my life? Could it be that Jesus has interrupted your life because you are walking a path that is not aligned to God's will? And he has to bring you back. He has to make you see where you are in your walk with him. You see, we can do two things. We can be like these Jewish leaders that got all upset and angry and they started to plot and plan and connive to get Jesus murdered. Or we can respond to what God is doing and allow him to complete his work in our lives. Jesus, we, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you saw beyond the cross. You saw beyond the cross and you saw me. You saw beyond the cross and you saw each and every one that is in this room. That is how great your love is. Lord, that you did not think of yourself, but you thought of us. Lord, as we remember this week, Lord, the intensity and the pain and the anguish that you had to face because of our sin that nailed you to that tree. Lord, all we can do is just respond with our lives to you. Lord, to give you our life. Lord, to surrender to you, to surrender everything, our life, our relationships, our families, our jobs, our finances, the stuff that we have, Lord, to surrender everything to you and just to enjoy a relationship with you, Jesus. May you remind us through this week, oh God, as we spend time with you in our daily training. Lord, of the great sacrifice that you paid for us. Father, I pray that you would just work in our lives, Lord, things that you need to work through that we, we need to work through oh God stuff that we need to work through in our lives that you would help us through this week as we set our sights oh God on what you have done for us that we will experience the joy and the peace that you spoke about Lord if we had only known 
what would bring us peace. May we experience that peace as we get lost in your presence. In Jesus' name. Bless us, Lord, as we go through this week. Thank you, Jesus. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on Friday.